Hey, Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey, Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This is episode number 97, and with our 100th episode approaching, I wanted to focus a little bit on some of the people who have been instrumental in making this podcast a success. One of those is Wilson Lemieux. Wilson is a creative director and a video producer at Lemieux Company. It's a film-based marketing company. And Wilson and I have have worked together on a couple of different projects. Well, right after my podcast launched in the fall of 2017, he messaged me on Facebook and said he wanted to sponsor some episodes of the podcast. I mean, I didn't even have to ask. He just came to me. He showed up. Now, sponsoring an episode of this show doesn't mean you're going to automatically be a good guest, and I don't interview every sponsor. But Wilson has been on my guest list from the very beginning, and it's because he's a super talented director with enough ambition professionally for both of us, and he's passionate about showing off Amarillo's creativity. His local clients have included Amarillo National Bank and Bivens Point, both of which, coincidentally, have also sponsored this show. And Wilson has been able to produce some of the most memorable, locally made TV spots in Amarillo history. So this is a fun conversation. Here's Wilson Lemieux. Wilson Lemieux, welcome to the Amarillo Podcast. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Jason. I'm really excited. Cool. So I, I want to talk about your business. I want to talk about the work that you do. Um, but before we get to any of that, like I do with every guest, I just want to sort of establish you in this area. So tell me how you ended up in Amarillo area in the first place. So I grew up the majority of my life in a, a town about 90 miles southeast of here called Wellington, Texas. I've heard of it. Um, and that's about all you, yeah, you've well, heard, of, heard of the there, name, but I've, I've more than heard of so it. So a lot of people know about Wellington because they're on their way to like Shamrock or Ludi to go hunting or something like that. Most of the time when I tell people I'm from Wellington, I always say we're about 30 miles north of Childress on Highway 83, right? Grew up there most of my life. Um, grew up watching Fat Guy, Skinny Guy on TV, uh, talking about the A and B commercials. Right, from, the, the Marlowe National Bank. Yeah, so... To me, growing up, Amarillo was the big city, right? There was no mall in Wellington. We had to drive 30 miles to do regular, like, Walmart trips. And if we were going to go get school clothes, we went to Altus, Oklahoma, because they had a super Walmart there. It's 30 miles closer to Altus than we were to Amarillo. Um, but Amarillo, to me, in my eyes, for a long time, even when I came to college, was like this metroplex type of area. Yeah. And so I graduated high school in 2010 and um, went straight to WT. I couldn't leave my little town fast enough, and I got a job working at uh, Buckle in the mall selling clothes. And if you know me, that's probably no shock. (laughs) Just going there. I can remember thinking that was a big deal. Like I was so excited to tell my mom I got a job selling clothes at the mall in Amarillo, Texas. Right. Uh, But enrolled in WT, spent four years at WT, fell in love with all things mass communication there. Um, Had a handful of really amazing professors and role models at WT growing up. And you know, was able to do a lot in terms of campus radio and what we called one sessions, which is like a live music recording kind of thing based a lot of like South by Southwest or Austin City Limits. Mm-hmm. Um, was on the advertising team while I was there. Um, just kind of did everything with the mindset of like, I'm spending X amount of dollars to go to this university. 
um, I do not want to waste my money, right? Um, did you always want to go to WT? I mean, was that always on your radar, or did you ever look well, at other the idea options? of going to a D1 school was cool, and I think that there's there's some things that I, you probably miss out not going to a D1 school, but um, if I'm being honest, my SAT scores were not great due to a tremendous lack of effort, if, I, <laughs> if we're being truthful. Um, and at a price point that seemed affordable, WT was just yeah. it. And I knew that I at, at the time I really wanted to do radio. Radio. Um, I like the idea of being heard, being saying things that matter. I don't know, like at almost 28 years old, looking at an 18-year-old Wilson, he didn't have anything to say that really mattered. But I thought I did. And I uh, really loved the idea of being on the radio, loved the idea of like making cool stuff, whatever it was. I had no real concept of what any of that was, but I knew that WT, when we went to do the tour, there were trophies everywhere. And at yeah. the time, Lee Browning was kind of heading that space up, and she was really good at, whether she knew it or not, was really good at creating a brand herself and had created a brand for WT Broadcasting. And Randy Ray was there, Lori Rustman was there. And so we had this kind of tradition. They had this tradition of success there. Mm-hmm. What was and the time frame that you were there? I graduated in 2010, started that fall, okay. and then graduated in spring from WT 2014. Okay. And so just there was just a place about it. It was intimate enough, close enough to where like you could make friends in the program. Um, and if you worked hard, you could kind of rise up. It was definitely like a merit-based system there. Um, Randy Ray was always really big on, you know, do the work and you'll get opportunities. And um, coming from a small town, like a lot of people that end up in Amarillo from West Texas, there's always that kind of like work ethic that I don't think that you see in kind of bigger cities. And yeah. so I didn't have much of a life in college. Uh, sure, wouldn't get many dates. I'll blame that on my work ethic, but I, and if, if we're being honest, is probably more personality driven. But I just, that's what I did. I took out as many loans as I could, rode the Pell Grant system, did everything I could so I didn't have to go get a quote-unquote real job somewhere right. so I could focus on doing advertising or doing um, one sessions or broadcasting or whatever. I just wanted to make sure that I spent as much time and hedged all my bets on what I was investing for my career. Did you have a sense of like what you wanted that career to be? I mean, could beyond like broadcasting or mass media, which is really large. I mean, mm-hmm. had you narrowed in on, this is what I'm really good at? So if anybody hears listening to radio or listens to radio, you'll know by now it's 2019 and um, it's easier to listen to a podcast than it is to <laughs> dial through dials. Right. And I, I found out pretty quick that in terms of return on investment, radio might not be the place that I wanted to go. But I didn't want to carry around a big, huge camera. We had those big ENGs. And if I'm being honest, at the time, I couldn't light my way out of a paper bag. I couldn't shoot my way out of anything. And we were working on Avid back then, which is still industry standard at a big point. But like, we, we you didn't just take a card out of a camera, plug it in, and get to editing. You had to ingest it. That took an hour. And then you really didn't, weren't able to really see what you were making um, on the monitors and stuff back in 2010, 2011. So I was like, this is hard. And, and that technology has come a long way. Right. In just, you know, five nine years, years yeah. five years. And um, so I was like, man, this is, this is too hard. But being millennial and the whole idea of instant gratification, I knew that like, this is going to take too long. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to work so incredibly hard to make something look pretty okay when you can watch a movie and be like, how did they get there? The, yeah. the, the how to get there wasn't 
in my brain. Um, but at that time, Lee had kind of encouraged me, and Lee Browning had encouraged me to take a look at advertising. And for some reason, it just really clicked for me. I could spout off iconic ads like, you know, the Grey Poupon commercial where, like, he pulls up in that other car and you can hear the fart noise or whatever, um, or Beef Wars for Dinner or a Marlowe National Bank. Like, right. Those kind of things that were really iconic. I can remember sitting in my house growing up and seeing my parents laugh at those kind of things and remember it and then talk about it to somebody else. And so I wanted to be a part of that, right? And in college, you do a lot of writing. You do a lot of, like, concepting, especially if you're on, like, what's called the National Student advertising competitive team. And Lee got me plugged into that. And it's where I kind of met Lori for the first time. And Lori Westerman, who was who ran all that while I was there. And it was just fun. And Lee was really great at bringing, like being excited for you and knowing how excited to act compared on which student you know what I mean? Yeah. Needed that kind the of the level boost. of excitement you mm-hmm. needed, you know, to as be a enthusiastic yeah. as well. And we could come up with good ideas, and the teacher would give you an A, and it was good. You know, like you came with a good idea and you got an A. In broadcasting, it was like you had to light it, had to do X, Y, and Z, and then you get like a C. Yeah. And I was like, ah, okay, this is way easier. Ideas than versus as execution, execution of the ideas. Right. All that being said, I figured out pretty quick that like, man, if I can go be a quote unquote creative director somewhere or even a copywriter where you, in the traditional advertising world, you had copywriters and designers, right? And so like you came up with a cool idea and then someone else executed it right. and it was both of your ideas and it was cool. And, and at my time, I thought, man, and you get paid tons of money, like hundreds of dollars. <laughs> Tens of dollars. Tens of dollars to come up with a cool idea. And uh, so I figured out really quickly, long-winded version of answering your question, that advertising is where I wanted to be in because you could see what Coca-Cola was doing. You Like literally you could do research sitting on your couch every day. And I still do that. You just watch TV. And I watch you're, TV you're doing research. and I write it off too, man. Like, And it's, it's legitimate like research. Like a lot of ideas that I get, I come from watching commercials that you see on everyday TV. And and what's interesting is there's the work that goes into it, right? There's a ton of work and you know that co- like every word's based on some kind of research that mm-hmm. showed up somewhere, right? Like everything's very calculated. The way you shoot it's very calculated. And I just, I fell in love with that, like research-based decisions that drive the execution. And then outside of that, making it cool, mm-hmm. right? How do you take this like nerdy numbers, data points, what people like affinity metrics, all that kind of stuff, and then turn it into something that will actually pack a punch at the Super Bowl for 30 seconds, right? Like why are we making these decisions to drive commerce? That kind of stuff I just, I fell in love with. So in, you you got out of, uh, you graduated uh, for, from WT, did you know what you're going to do at that point? I mean, did you start on a path or did you just kind of stumble around? So before I even graduated, um, I had my first hard lesson in not starting a business with a bunch of buddies and actually knowing what you're going to do when you start a business. So me and um, his name was Josh Durham, a guy named Garrett Eggleston, Tanya Allison, and a guy named Eric Vidari did a bunch of work with a Canon 70 out of a dorm room. Which is a kind of... Uh, like, it's like a DSLR camera yeah. that they're meant for photo, but they could do video. And there's this huge huge boom right around 2011 2012 where like all of these guys a lot of these guys are like super famous now but like are doing that kind of entry-level work with a small camera instead of carrying around yeah so instead of like a big ten thousand dollar camera you can make something look fairly decent with you know your dslr you can buy at best buy or target absolutely and so we we did that and failed miserably for lack of vision creativity and business sense um but i didn't quit 
I didn't quit there. And so I went to New York and had an internship um, with entertainment marketing company. I still wanted to do that kind of stuff, but I knew how to edit really well by then. And um, they had me just churning out comedy videos, stand-up okay. comedy videos for like a month and a half in New York. And by this time I was dating my wife, I realized I would rather like marry her and raise our son and have some kind of like affordable living in Canyon, Texas, as opposed to living in like a 200 square foot roach infested apartment right. in Brooklyn. Um, There's a lot to be said about that. Right. That you can, you can make a living here, whereas you could be really, really poor there. Right. And so I came home and uh, got my first job with a bank equipment company called Smith Hamilton. And with the guy that hired me was a WT alum. I was really good friends with another guy that worked there and they took a shot on me. I loved it. I learned a lot there in bank equipment marketing, um, <laughs> which is its own niche little world where you get excited about pneumatic tube systems and mm -hmm. ATM, like, what's the word? ATM software updates and all that kind of stuff. And my wife got pregnant with our second child, Nora, and I'd always wanted to do whatever this is now, right? Like right. the idea of owning a business, quote unquote, or make having the freedom to really try to push the needle and make what you want to make, both monetarily as well as creatively. So we had $600 in the account, a baby on the way, no real leads, and ignorance is bliss. And you just jump out there thinking you're going to make it. And so, I mean, basically since 2012, I've wanted to do this. Since I fell in love with advertising at WT, this kind of stuff is what I've just wanted to do. How many years did you kind of struggle through then, you know, just trying to figure it out, not really knowing what you were doing, but trying to build like a video production company or to become this, you know, this director? So we started 2014 and it's it's been around four years now. Um, and really the big turning point was when we did Boring as Hell for Amarillo National Bank. You know, I had... A one camera setup and a tripod and a really bad set of lights and um, a shoulder mount and this camera could shoot 96 frames a second so that was like the most amazing thing that I'd ever seen and mm -hmm. um, was making cool stuff with what I had or what I felt like right but it was just one man band type deal and um, you see a lot of guys in the business doing that one way or another and there's nothing wrong with it but I knew that I wanted to see what I I wanted to make what I saw on TV um, and so it was literally probably two and a half years before we had and I mean if you count the time in college it'd been five years that I'd been working towards some kind of goal, stumbling in the dark, not knowing right. how to get where I was going. Um, but then we were able to do that project with Amarillo National, and it changed everything because I brought in somebody that had actually directed big sets before, and he knew how to work the camera that we'd rented. And I paid him to come shoot, obviously, but more importantly, it was like, film school for two days. Okay. And he told me, okay, dude, um, here's everything you're doing wrong. Commercial looks great, but there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that you have to understand that you need to do to make people want to work with you again and work for you again. And yes, I'm happy to help you, but like you've got a long way to go. And so over the past year and a half since we've shot that, we've got more opportunities to do that kind of work. And it's always a learning experience, right? I mean, when you're doing film as opposed to something like graphic design or other things in that vein, it's a huge team sport, right? Like, I mean, any any big budget commercial you see on TV's got twenty right. to thirty five people. Working yeah, one on person it. in front of the camera, but you know, two dozen behind mm -hmm. it that you don't see. Right to make it all work. Right, and learning how to like navigate those waters both from a okay how do we make something cool that 
will make somebody want to buy X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. But then how do we make sure that the client feels good on set? How do we make sure that the DP feels like he has enough help in terms of getting the camera ready? How do we feel like the talent looks as best as they could on camera? How can we make sure that the PA has just as good as experience as the client? Because you never know in four or five years that PA might be a great director in their own right. right. How can you create the best experience from the first action to the final cut? are all intricacies that we've had to learn over the past year and a half. That hadn't been easy, but it's, it's, so, it's so much fun. I, I want to ask about that specific Amarillo National Bank commercial being sort of a launch pad for mm-hmm. some of the things that it was. You know, with the, the understanding that you and I worked together on it. Right. Uh, we collaborated on it. I was, you know, helped concept it. But people in Amarillo know Amarillo National Bank. They know the advertising there. It's big in this market, but it's not necessarily huge outside this market. Right. You know, in, in terms of its advertising or, or whatever. Oh, and it's not so, intended to be. Either. Right, right. And they're, they're, they're not talking to people in Florida. But tell <laughs> me why, like, for, the, for your career, tell me why that specific commercial started to lead to work, like, outside this area. Because it was freaking cool, man. To people outside of West Texas, um, and I think this is really cool, outside of Amarillo, right, there's this type of grandeur associated with where we live. And I think that we take it for granted, but being able to shoot in Paladero Canyon was huge for the guy. Like, the guy that I brought in to shoot, his name's Jared Hogan, and he's done stuff for Good Morning America. He's done huge music videos that have like 17 and a half million views. Like, the dude's renowned. Like, he's really, really good. And then the guy that played the Cowboys done a lot of vocal work for BMW, ESPN, Mercedes-Benz. I mean, you name it. The guy is, is like really good at, at vocal talent. And they were overcome by how beautiful our little town was, mm-hmm. right? So that being said, the idea of having something centered in what can still be considered the Wild West, it was just cool. The cowboy. And then you have this bank commercial that looks and feels a lot due to your writing and like what you know, the people at, at Emerald National Bank have been willing to do, it feels cooler and better than what you see from Bank of America or what you see from Wells Fargo. Like, it's just a really cool commercial, but the hook on that thing, we can have all the cool imagery that we want, but the hook on that particular spot is we are boring as hell, but we're here to stay. Mm-hmm. That's what people still talk about. And I've had people that, you know, don't understand how the team works and they'll go, how did you get the bank to say it? And I said, I didn't have to worry about that, <laughs> right? When the script was brought to me, I, I looked at Ton and said, this has been signed off on? And she said, yep, it has. And I was like, sweet. But the fact that you have this happy-go-lucky guy that's been involved with that institution for what, at the time, eight to nine years, walk on stage after you see this cowboy and this guy in a bow tie and all that kind of stuff happen, and he walks on and says, yeah, we're boring as hell, we know it, but we're still going to be here. And that message just felt like a 200 million dollar ad as opposed to like wells fargo saying yeah we've messed up with your money again you know what i mean and so like it just caught a lot of attention in a lot of places and it became like okay we want to come to amarillo and do stuff with amarillo national bank because their commercials are different than what you see anywhere else and it's it's been a great recruiting tool for my company to be able to bring in really good talent because both from like in front of the camera standpoint but as well as behind to help us grow because they like having fun, 
And Amarillo National Bank is a fun client. And so that's like helped us kind of springboard into this next level. So we finally had a really solid, strong deliverable that in and of itself was just a really strong piece of advertising that gained the respect from mostly like Dallas and closer areas in this region, a tri-state area that are like, hey, what's going on over there? Like we want to we want to be involved in it. Tell, so, me, tell me how that works for you still being based here. Uh, but having clients, you know, that are going to shoot uh, in the Dallas area mm-hmm. or, you know, is, is that been something that that maybe set you apart a little bit? You know, you could be one of a hundred different people doing what you're doing mm-hmm. well in Dallas. Right. You know? Yeah. But it's a limited number here. I mean, do you feel like that helps you? Absolutely. And I think what sets us apart, even like if we're doing some work in Dallas or doing work in Tyler or Houston or L.A. or wherever we're doing a job at New York is not necessarily our skill set. Um, but what Amarillo's taught me is there's there's a standard in terms of how you treat your people. And in the production world, more often than not, guys don't get breakfast. They might get lunch on set. They sure don't get paid before they leave the set. And it's usually net 30, net 45. And in some cases, we still have to kind of play by those money rules because we can't get it from everybody. But we take extreme care in who we're like, how we're taking care of the people that are on set. And you don't see that in places like Dallas. And so we've been able to recruit talent being based out of here because they're like, we know that we're going to be taken care of. And I take more pride in that than I do in anything elsewhere is that like I'm able to make sure that dude, if he's flying in, he's put in an Airbnb, he feels comfortable, he's going to have as much food as he needs, he, they're going to be fed breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And a lot of that comes from having clients that understand that type of Amarillo, West Texas standard of right. how we treat our vendors. And some of our, our best work, whether it be Amarillo National Bank or Cavanis or, or whoever, the, like, the idea of getting somebody fed is not a question. It's like, yes, we're going to feed them right. And, oh, they're, yeah. they're not from here, then we're going to give them a steak. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that kind of deal has made us super competitive. And even going into Dallas, if we're doing a project in Dallas, we take that same mindset. Um, we work with a couple different directors down there and a couple different people that kind of head up crews for us. And they're always like, well, we've got all this, we've got all this budget laid out. And I'm like, well, we need another $1,000 for food period. And if I have to take that out of what the company makes as profit to make sure everybody eats well, then we're going to. But it goes so such a long way. And I hope I'm answering your question. Yeah. yeah. I, and I think something else that is interesting to me is that even looking at, at some of the commercials you've done that have that feel, it it looks like a national spot. You know, everybody can tell, oh, there's there's a commercial that was made in Amarillo because it's got a goofy little jingle on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe the acting isn't great. Right. And then you see the stuff that you've made and it matches up with everybody else. Right. And what I love about that is that other than a couple of people, you know, maybe you've flown in a director of photography, but your crew is mostly Amarillo people. Especially and sometimes it's WT students. I mean, there's such a talent base in this area and you're using them and and they're part of that whole production effort. Yeah. So we'll have a commercial launching sometime. I don't know if the podcast will be out or not by then, but we just did for Amarillo National Bank that you'd written. And the, uh, there were only two people from out of town. I had an AD who had, which is an assistant director that had extensive experience in being an assistant director come AD for me. Um, and then the DP was from Louisiana. Um, but everybody from the gaffer, who's your lighting guy, to the second assistant director, which is Gunnar Wadowski, he was, he's from Amarillo, like, Almost everybody was from Amarillo, and then we bring in WT students because I would have loved to been on a set like that mm-hmm. in college, and you just don't get that opportunity all the time. Um, but anything that we do here, we try to make sure to bring in, keep that money in Amarillo, one, but then two, bring in as much 
student-based application as we can. Because it's important for students at WT or AC or anywhere to know, hey, man, like you can do this. So many times when I was in college and even after was like, you can't do the kind of work that you want to do being in Amarillo. You've got to go to LA, yeah, you gotta you've got to go to Chicago, and... you've got to go to Austin or Dallas or Houston or, or wherever. And I have so many friends that are amazingly talented and they've gone and made it in these big cities. That's awesome. That's cool. But one thing that I really take a lot, at least a lot of, I put a lot of effort into is communicating to kids or students that were, I was not that, I mean, I was, five, six years ago, was sitting in their shoes and saying, you can do this here. And one of my, you know, one of the best sayings I've ever heard about this town is our biggest export is not natural gas or cotton or peanuts or cattle. It's our young people. Yeah. And that being said, I feel like you're starting to see now, maybe more so than you did five or 10 years ago, Amarillo really investing in young people um, from a, you know, government-based type of view or even just an economic view. Like there are a lot of people doing a lot of cool work here that are young and that credit has to be given to kind of people in higher places in this town investing in the youth of the city. Right. And it's cool to be a part of that. It occurs to me, because I'm always surprised in in the times we work together to think back that you're just, you know, five years out of college and six years. I mean, you're you're still, your career is new. It's still relatively young. And so instead of talking to somebody who has like landed and finally become successful and gotten to the place that they've been dreaming of and then reflecting on that, like you're still in the process of that. You're still kind of on that upswing. Where do you want to be in like five years, 10 years from now? If I were to talk to Wilson five years ago, right? I've been out of college five years. This is, and and it's hard for me. I think like very thankful for where I'm at, right? Did not expect to be here. Um, Wildly beyond anywhere that I expected this business to be. But at that same time, why not shoot for the moon? I watched uh, Bohemian Rhapsody the other night, right? And Freddie Mercury with his four extra teeth and he's Mm -hmm. goofy looking. And But God, could that dude sing? And he knew, at however old he was, like, Queen's going to be Queen, right? Or if you talk to, I mean, Steve Jobs knew that Apple was going to be Apple. Now, I'm not comparing what we do or my company to Freddie Mercury or Steve Jobs or Apple by any means, but... Why can't we be at that kind of level and why can't we do it here? The internet has changed everything. And so in five years, who knows? Like I, why can't we do an Apple ad? You know, why can't we make our own branded short films that go and do well at Sundance? Like I've got, I know the people Mm -hmm. and I, I know how to executive produce and I know how to treat people right. I know the guys that can really make it happen and have vision why why can't we do something at a huge scale like going into college i wanted to be on the music team on the radio station and i did it and then i wanted to be the music director then i wanted to be on the nsac team and then i want we wanted to go to nationals and we went there and we got fifth we beat like nebraska and alabama yeah and university of florida like we beat these huge schools being at wt later on Lori was able to take that team and get second in the country which is nuts and like i'm talking you're talking about beating university of texas at yeah. advertising and then i wanted to start a business and then i wanted to sell x amount a year and then i wanted to sell x amount more a year and then i wanted to do a super bowl ad and i wanted to make something really cool and then i wanted to work with some of these guys that i've seen across the country that are amazing right and so we've accomplished these goals not necessarily because of me but because people have believed in us 
The sales job it takes to get 15 to 16 people to believe enough to come work for you. And then the other side of that is to believe somebody give you enough money to pay all right. these people to come work with you. We've been able to accomplish these things so far. And it's been difficult, but it's been doable. And so in five years, like if we're not doing million dollar spots, I won't be disappointed, but that's the goal, okay. right? To be able to get there. Like I, I, and I think that anybody will tell you you can't. But like, I'd rather go fail myself and learn. But that's, I guess that's the goal is like, I want to do a big national, huge campaign. Um, and whether that's me directing it or me just executive producing and creating that opportunity, I, I want the company's name to be on something of that size and scale. And I want that company to be located here. I, I want to ask you a self-serving question, um, if you don't mind that. When I launched this podcast, late September 2017, I already had a couple of sponsors, you know, in place, but then I got an email from you, like, I don't know, within that first week, within a couple of days, I think you had an episode out. Yeah. Like of that first episode. And it was, how can I get involved with this? How can, how can I support this thing? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which I, I really appreciate. And you ended up being like one of the first sponsors that I did not go out and seek. Now, right. I didn't go begging and say, hey, I've got this idea. Let's try this thing together. Mm-hmm. You came in on your own and, and kind of volunteered to, to get involved. I wanted to ask what drove you to say, here's this new thing that, that I see and already believe in enough to like talk about writing a check you know, for a sponsorship. Well, I'd worked with you already through various means of, of work. I think the first thing that I ever did when I started my company with, at the time, the business was called Our City. Like, you, yep. you'd written that, right? Uh, consequently, it won Best to Show at the Addies that year. We hadn't done Boring as Hell yet, I don't think, but in the advertising world, it's great to be an early adopter, right? So from a completely self-serving standpoint and any business owners listening, um, I knew it would be a great return on investment. And it is still a great return on investment. I'm getting closer to the microphone now for any business owners that would like to get Jason. <laughs> Say it louder. A significant amount of money. It's a, I mean, it's a brand building tool. And when you're making a quote unquote advertising investment, I like it. It is self serving, right? I'll be, I'll be really frank. Um, I wanted to put my brand ahead of my competition and I wanted to be seen as a company that believes in people that believe in the city because that does translate to dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a more kind of less money involved in the situation side, um, we live in a area that doesn't really brag on itself. And I think that that's a great thing in a lot of ways, Right. Don't uh, let, I mean, why talk about yourself when someone else can? Yeah. Right. Humility's good. Humility's good, but we live in a time too where the loudest person wins. And I think that there are a lot of people in town that would have, that this city would not know about had it not be for this podcast. There are a lot of things happening in town that the city would not know about if it weren't for this podcast. And knowing that, like, Jason is a reputable member of the Amarillo community and has been for a long time. It's and, debatable. And you're involved with so many nonprofit organizations and you give your time away to so many people. And this, at the time, was still that. I just wanted to be a person that helped Amarillo toot its own horn a little bit. Um, and working in the advertising world, so many times there are the wrong ways to toot its horn and then there are the right ways. And I think that, and I still do, I think hey, Amarillo is one of the best ways that the city can brag on itself and have an advocate that's removed to a certain extent from anything 
of any consequence that just talks great about the city and brings people in um, that can talk about the great things that they're doing. And it gives people the opportunity to toot their own horn individually. Yeah, I, I think that there, there could be more of that here um, because we have a lot to be proud of. And I think that we, we sometimes feel like we need permission to be proud of things. And when you look at there's shows on Netflix that depict Amarillo as if it's the scum of the earth. Um, you look at stuff that's been on Dateline or whatever. That's they look at it like they see Amarillo as just this. They've either, they've got the steakhouse and they've got the Cadillac Ranch, but there's such rich culture here. Mm-hmm. Period, on so many different facets that doesn't get talked about as much that this podcast does. So. Long-winded um, version of saying, I believed in you, I believe in the city, I believe in the podcast, and I've been a beneficiary of a lot of people giving this young, loud-mouthed country boy like a shot, and um, I'm a firm believer that once you've seen success, it's your obligation to send that elevator back down or pay it forward or whatever the the, the jargon is there, and I just believe in you, man. I believe in what what's going on here, and I think that there's so many folks that need to get talked about, so many stories that need to get told, and this is such a easily consumable medium mm-hmm. that it's it's important to make sure that you pay people <laughs> to do yeah. it, right? Well, so. and I, I, I do appreciate that, and I know I've told you that off mic, but I, I do want to talk about the medium itself because I know you've you've done other podcasts. Mm-hmm. You've sponsored other podcasts. Is mm-hmm. that accurate? Um, and, and you came from a... a at least your training at WT where you wanted to get into radio and Mm -hmm. then you saw that shift happening. Tell me about advertising yourself as a person involved in video, Mm -hmm. but on an audio medium, you know, and and why you think that, you know, even a podcast sponsorship sort of advertising model is is like something that's impactful for you. People consume media. I mean, I don't have any specific numbers, right? But I listen to podcasts, mainly like Florida State football podcasts, and we're in a bad way right now, so I don't want to get into that. But I listen to podcasts more than I listen to music. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's a thirst for information, a thirst for knowledge that we have access to that you haven't seen any time in previous history. Um, And I think that the older you get, or at least for me, the more I want to hear people talking. Right. And that seems really vague, but I want to hear information. Yeah, we've sponsored a couple other podcasts. One of those has been a filmmaking podcast. But as a potential sponsor out there or anywhere, sponsoring a podcast automatically ties you to that kind of information. Okay. It positions yourself almost as an authority in that information, right? So I've got a buddy that does a filmmaking podcast, and he he's interviewed guys that have was like the special effects dude for Apollo 13. He did special effects for Titanic. People that have like done music videos for Billie Eilish and Lord and like done huge projects for ESPN, etc. Well, as a director, he's the and the host of the show, it automatically puts him at a level higher. And as a sponsor, it basically communicates that we're a purveyor of that information. And so if you're thinking about sponsoring any podcast at all, one, make sure it's good, right? But then two, it shows that you support that type of communication. And so whether or not, I mean, a video podcast, all right, it doesn't matter. Sponsoring Amarillo or Hey Amarillo communicated, even if it was just for a brief amount of time, yeah, cool, they make stuff, but they care about the city. And that's why I wanted people, like I wanted, I, that's what I wanted people to garner from my sponsorship of the show was that, yeah, they care about Amarillo too. They're, they're buddies with Jason. Mm-hmm. So like if we trust Jason, because we listen to him weekly, then we can trust them too. Yeah. And so... 
I, I want to close by turning back to the city itself as as someone who has been intimately involved in like all the different levels of the creative process and advertising process and all of that. What have you learned about this area and the the creative impulse here? Because we're you know we're not Dallas, we're not Austin. A lot of our best talent has been shipped off there. Um, you know, what, what are you learning about this place, though, as, as a cultivator of talent and as a place that, that breeds that kind of talent? What I love so much about Amarillo that you don't see anywhere, and, and then one of the eight straight questions that we'll answer, I'll kind of just one-line it, but there's a community here um, that you don't necessarily see as much in Dallas. And because there are so few of us, there are people in town like Wes Reeves and yourself and whomever that, that really appreciate young, talented, creative people and go out of their way to tell us like, hey man, we really appreciate what you're doing. It's really cool. There's a community driven aspect of what we do here that you don't see everywhere else. What's really great is Amarillo pours into its own. That's kind of the the message I want to drive home is you look at what happened to Krispy Kreme. You look at other kind of bigger national looking brands that have come here and they've been kicked to the curb because we like our own guys better. Yeah. You know, our own guys and gals better. And Amarillo is a place unlike that I've ever seen. And I've lived in Wellington. And I've lived here. So take that with a grain of salt. Out of the salt. two places you've lived. Out of the Amarillo two places is- I've really lived in my life, just whether it be at WT or, or here, is, is once you've kind of proven – that okay, cool. This is worth what we say it's worth, and this is this is good because look at somewhere else. Like Amarillo will bite on and latch on and be loyal and um, grateful for you, whether you've done it for them for one year or five or ten. Amarillo really pours into its own and wants its own to win. And I don't think that you see that in some place like Dallas. Um, you don't see it. You definitely don't see it in New York. You don't see it in L.A. Um, there are things here that. Amarillo doesn't take for granted and is thankful for and then overly communicates that in a lot of ways. And I've been very blessed to have part in that. And you look at like how much creativity is rising with like what Daniel's doing at Sad Monkey or what other businesses in town that are kind of starting to spring up. It's just like once you've proven that you're worth it, once you've proven it, I mean, this is not the show me state, but like once you've proven, hey, we're here and we're good and we want to do this for you then Amarillo will celebrate you in ways that I don't think other cities do. Hey, Amarillo is sponsored this week by Dr. Eddie Sauer, who practices general dentistry at Shimon Dental Group. Eddie has been my dentist for at least 25 years. He's my kid's dentist too. And he's an expert on Invisalign, using that technology to improve his patient's smiles and positioning. He's got my son, Owen, in Invisalign braces right now. And Owen much prefers those to traditional braces. They look better, they feel better, they don't cut his mouth up during a rough basketball game. He loves it. I mean, as, as far as loving braces can go. To learn more, visit shimendental.com. That's S-H-E-M-E-N. That's Dr. Eddie Sauer. Hamarello is also sponsored this week by Jimmy John's Gourmet Sandwiches. Jimmy John's has three locations in Amarillo, a couple along I-40 and one downtown near the ballpark. So we've got 16 or so Sod Poodles games left this summer, depending on when you listen to this podcast. And the downtown location is going to be open for all those home games. These franchise locations are owned and operated by an Amarillo resident, so you're supporting a local business. So go eat some Jimmy John's. Okay, I'm back with Wilson Lemieux of Lemieux Company. Wilson, this is the part of the show I call 8 Straight. 
As you know, I'll ask eight straight questions, and as my guest, you're required to answer those questions in whatever amount of detail you want to. I solemnly swear. Okay, and I know you'll provide as much detail as you want to (laughs) because you're good at that sort of thing. Um, Okay, let's start. What's the most underrated aspect of life in Amarillo? Community. Absolutely community. I think that, especially in the creative world around here, we move off because, oh, there's not enough opportunity, or, oh, we don't have artistic vision, or we don't get this, that, or the other. Okay, that's fine. But people move back because they've missed the long-term friendships. Mm -hmm. And people don't care about you in other places like Amarillo does. Uh, My father-in-law has this joke that if your tire goes, like if you have a flat tire, the closer to Lubbock you get, the less chance you have of somebody pulling over and helping you. Hmm. But the closer you are to Amarillo, the better chance you have of somebody stopping and, and trying to do their best to take care of you. And um, I think that's something that's not as heralded as yeah. everything else here. The community-driven aspect of people just taking care of people because they want to is, I think, better here than any other place I've seen. I, th- I think we tell the story pretty often about talented people who leave here. I don't think we always tell the story about the people who leave and then come back. Mm -hmm. And they come back because whatever grass that looked greener, you know, in the big city, they got there and they thought, oh man, I miss this aspect or this aspect. And when it's time to raise their family or to really get serious about a career or something like that, they end up coming back here. I'll I'll tell this story really quick and it's, it's kind of a funny story. So I went and had a month and a half internship in New York in 2013. And I had these two guys I was living with and granted, I didn't know them all that well, but it was July the 4th. Like, we went out and did something July the 5th. But on July the 4th, I was exploring Brooklyn and had free barbecue in Brooklyn. First mistake. <laughs> uh, it's not the same as we get down here. Felt fine, right? Came back, slept. We woke up the next morning. We're going to go see where the Titanic was supposed to have landed, um, had there not been a giant iceberg in the way. And we got there, and all of a sudden, I got terribly ill. And um, I did what happens when you get food poisoning on the middle of a busy sidewalk in New York City. And... When I like stood up, I expected them to just be waiting. They were three blocks down and had left me they there just to left die. <laughs> right, and I realized he'll catch up. We're not in Amarillo anymore, and it's a little thing, but it's always stood up to me as these these people I went to school with or or my my friends would have waited and then made fun of me. Obviously, yeah. that's fine. or taking you to the hospital, if right? Necessary. But they left me there to die in this city I'd never been before. There's more people on the block than in the town that I grew up in, and they just left me there to die. And it wasn't a big thing. I caught up, and it's fine. But I can remember thinking, man, folks in Amarillo would have waited for me. Yeah. <laughs> People would have stopped. So That's true. What's uh, what's your favorite restaurant in Amarillo? This might sound basic, but I love Crush. We take um, Oliver Crew there most of the time when we get done with a big shoot. We take them all there to get, to, to get a dinner, and they always rave about it. Anytime my wife and I have time to go have a date, we go there. We love it. Was, uh, was it on your list like in the earlier incarnation, or has it just been since the new opening on Polk Street? Uh, it's always or been a, good. We went there away. Polk Street. Yeah, we, uh, we've gone a lot more since the new opening. Okay. Business, incidentally, has turned up there, so it's a little bit more affordable to go. But yeah, we've always loved Crush. Okay. What does this area have too much of? Dirt. All right. Full stop. Full stop. That's all you got. Yeah. What does the area not have enough of? Stand-up comedy. Okay. So I spent a lot of time on that internship, editing a lot of stand-up comedy videos, and I love it, man. It's just, it's, to me, as a storyteller, 
to be up there and go up there and it's hard to be funny one um but to go up there for an hour hour and change and be funny for like and tell this story and weave it all together over that amount of time it's very difficult i have a big appreciation for it and as much as we're bringing in like dwight yoakam and as much as we're bringing in like chicago and some of these really cool bands golly it would be great to have like some good stand up here and we have a few but i think we could have more yeah right like a crystalia or a uh like aziz anzari or like some of these big headliner comedians i think would be so fun theo vaughn would, yeah. i think he'd be great here he's an old country boy comedian that's just hilarious um but yeah i wish that we could see more stand-up comedy right we, here. we really do we've got a lot of bars where people can play music and listen to music and get live music but like very few places where you can find stand-up comedy i mean you have to you have to be looking for it right and there are a few venues around town that i've seen do it and a couple of guys i went to school with go and, and do it and i haven't been out to see them but um i will say this and this is an unpopular hot take you y'all can skin me alive if you want but when i go out to eat i'm sorry i don't want to hear your guitar like it's <laughs> i want to go to a concert to hear a concert and that's yeah. what i'm there for but i think that i'm in the minority when it goes to eating out and i don't i like i just don't want to hear your band man i like i love your cover of whatever it's great but i or your original song whatever but i think i would sit and listen a lot more to somebody that's making fun of even if it's me making fun yeah. of me in front of like so, all these people so you would stand up comedy while you're eating dinner right? yes i yeah. would that'd be hilarious just roasting you while oh you're... yeah well i you know me i love the attention regardless of how good or bad it is so you end up talking to you know talented people in film production and getting them to come to amarillo for shoots and mm -hmm. things like that so how, for those who haven't been before like how do you describe amarillo to them when they say okay i'll i'll come do this commercial but where am i headed right so in more like just casual settings i'll say it's windy right that's like the joke but really what i'll tell people man is like you're coming to a town that uh is on the up We've got a booming downtown on the way up. If we've been able to get a job where we can afford to bring them down, you're working for a company that really cares about you. It's going to appreciate you and let you know your experience is going to be good. Um, we're going to go eat at good restaurants while we're here, and we're going to go do some fun stuff. And nine times out of ten, everyone's like, dude, Amarillo's like sick, man. And it's, it's the biggest little town in Texas, right? We've got all the benefits of having some kind of booming economy downtown mm -hmm. whatever it is and then at the same time all the benefits of like i can walk over to my neighbor's house and get some sugar yeah right um and people care about people here like we've brought in enough people enough times too that they're recognized at bars and people at like bars or restaurants and our waiters will remember the crew that's come in um and they said this doesn't happen in dallas right right and one of the bigger compliments is well usually at the end of every Big thing, we'll go get a steak, right? They always talk about it's the best steak they ever had. And it's just like, well, it's just Amarillo. Like, mm -hmm. the cow died 30 seconds before it got on your plate. Right. But um, that kind of thing, like, I'd, I'd tell them, like, you're coming to a place that's really on the up. We're going to do some really cool work while we're here, and I can promise you to be more appreciated here than it will be in Dallas or L.A. or wherever you're coming from. When was the last time you went to Cadillac Ranch? Do you remember when Harlem Shake was a thing? Yes. So 2012, 2011, yeah. somewhere in there. Well, I'd done three that week. Okay. Um, we so you did, were all over that I was term. all over it, man. All in on the Harlem Shake. So we did one at Palace um, back when they only had that one location mm -hmm. in Canyon. 
Um, then we did one in my buddy's front yard and like had a like a old slug bug slide across the frame and that was a lot of fun. There's like six of us. Somebody had a Gumby suit on, and then Gunnar Wadowski, being the kind of big experience guy that he is, did one in Cadillac Ranch. Um, and I think that he'd brought two to three hundred people wow. out there and had a three hundred person. Cadillac Ranch Harlem Shake out there all those years ago. And somehow uh, I have not seen that video. Oh, I'll have to find it. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Yeah, it's so much it was so much fun too. Uh, but it was back when I was young and nimble. So he has some shots of me running around the entire thing. I looking back now, I could never do that. (laughs) But um that was probably the last time I'd actually been out there for any reason. Okay. I need to go back out there though. You do, yeah. What's your favorite street in Amarillo? Lipscomb. Why is that? Um, so we walk, or we take our family on a walk or a bike ride like every other night, um, especially when it's not as hot as it has been. But um, there's, you hear the cicadas, and you have these huge trees and these pretty old homes, and um, it's just quiet. And we live in a world where I'm sure I've got six different notifications on my phone. I can only imagine how many that you've got. Um, there's constant noise, constant media. I mean, as you're listening to this, podcast, you've probably got three or four texts that you need to check. And it's just time to be quiet, right? I think we live in a time where it's hard to turn it all off. Mm -hmm. And so walking down that street in town and um, being with my wife and my kids and actually being able to be present in a time where it's hard to be, it's just kind of, it probably has less to do with the street and more to do with who I'm with, but it's just, you hear the cicadas, you hear all of it, it's fun. And then during Christmas and Halloween, it's just insane over there. It's a lot of fun. Okay. What's your favorite kind of Amarillo weather? Football weather. Football weather. Big, big football guy. Um, but the leaves start to fall. So here at about August, August, mid-August or so, and it gets kind of chilly. And WT homecoming's right around the corner. And um, we get a little bit more moisture than we have in summer and that kind of stuff. I just love it being cool. And you see the leaves falling and overcast skies. This is my favorite time of weather. It's getting close then. Yeah. I'm ready for it, yeah. dude. Golly. Okay, that concludes the, uh, the eight straight section. Wilson, I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's something you would want listeners to know about or to experience in this area? There are a couple things. Okay. Really love what Dyron Howell's doing with his art wall over there at Snackback for Kids. Really love what Dyron Howell is doing in general with Snackback for Kids. I mean, I think he's been on this podcast before. He has? His story is phenomenal. It's a great, really cool story. There's an authenticity to Dyron that you don't get with a lot of people, and I have a lot of respect for the guy. Plus, he's kind of a genius. Um, but what he's doing there with his art wall, and it like looks great, like looks really good. When he was on the podcast, the walls, the exterior walls, of the snack pack building were white. Right. They were blank. Right. They and that was what, anymore. a year ago? Yeah. Um, and so that is nuts. It's super great what he's done over there. And then two, I kind of feel like this is my duty. I serve on the board for the WT Alumni Association. If you're an Amarillo and you went to WT and you love WT, get involved. It doesn't have to just be your money, um, but your time figure out how you can get involved in that university and pour into young kids. They've got a campus in Amarillo now. So what I'm saying is relevant. Um, but, just what's what's going on there is magical, right? And yes, it's a D2 university. It's not tech. It's not UT. It's not A&M, the mothership. But it's a great, great place. And if we want to foster community and keep our young people here, there are about 10,000 a year that are there. Mm-hmm. We should pour into them. We should encourage them. And then we should be able to create avenues for them to find major success in Amarillo because it's worth it. I promise it's worth it. So that that's my spiel. Wilson Lemieux, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate it. 
And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Wilson for the interview and also for being such an early supporter of the Hammerla podcast. He's still supporting it, in fact, as one of my executive producers through Patreon. You can learn more about his work at Lemieux.company. That's L-E-M-I-E-U-X. I keep telling him he needs to have a better and easier name to spell, but he's stuck with Lemieux. Thanks also to Dr. Eddie Sauer and Jimmy Johns for sponsoring the show and to Angelina Marie for editing the podcast every week. In addition to Wilson, executive producers of Hey Amarillo are Jennifer Callahan, Katie Linger, Patrick Burns, Daniel Davis, Josh Wood, Neil Nossiman, Ryan Pennington, Wes Reeves, Corey Burns, and Criselda. I really appreciate those guys, all of them. Hey, do you follow the show on Instagram? You should. It's at Hey Amarillo Podcast. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.